You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Don't you love this day? I, uh, I, I know that my mom is about 12 hours away from me, but uh, man, I don't know how, how this might make sense to you, but she has been with me all morning, just close to my heart. I can't get my mind off of her. When I start thinking about her, I tear up. Uh, I just love a day in which that I can, I can just focus on God's great gift of, of my mother. And I know that many of you are here to celebrate as well. Um, I'm, I'm excited to share God's Word with you this morning. This, this past week has been the second anniversary of three young women who gained their freedom two years ago now. Uh, they were abducted as teenage girls. One was only 14, one was 17, and one was 18 in the city of Cleveland, Ohio by a man whose name was Ariel Castro. Their names were Amanda Berry, Gina de Seuss, and Michelle Knight. And for 10 years, over 10 years, they lived in captivity in this man's home, chained, literally chained, in, in physical chains to their rooms. They were assaulted daily. Interestingly, one of those women gave birth to a child in that environment, raised her child up to six years old till they were freed, raised her child in, in, that, in that environment. I can't imagine what, what their lives were like in those years. But because this is the second anniversary, and when you read the news, you, you read about these girls. And, um, and if you're watching television some, Annette and I ran across a documentary the other night about them. And, and, and I was excited when I, when I heard their stories in these last two years, how remarkably well they have done. And they've written books. And it just seems like to me that they are overcomers in this situation. And their lives are moving forward. And they laugh and they smile. And they talk about how they refuse to let what this man did to them define them. But they are finding life and freedom and joy. And something wells up inside of me that just says, You go, girls! <laughs> Don't let this man define your, your life, the rest of it. Get out there and live and be free. You know what happens to us? We all love stories of people who overcome. Especially in the midst of adversity. So I opened my Bible this week. And guess what I read? Everyone who has been born of God is an overcomer. Everyone who is born of God, the Word of God says, overcomes this world. Let me, let me take you there, okay? It's in the second, or rather the first epistle of John uh, in chapter 5, and I'll start with verse 1. So, now if you're kind of new to carrying a Bible, let me get you there, okay? So, if you go to the very last book of the Bible, which is the book of Revelation, and you just flip back a few pages, you'll find yourself in the first epistle of John, okay? It is a, it is a letter, but it sounds more like an essay when you read it. Or some people say, to me it sounds more like a sermon. Uh, what is, what is uh, undeniable is that it is a sermon by a pastor who wants to build people up in the faith, all right? So, here's, here's what happens in the first epistle of John. 
He is extremely repetitive. And so these themes that we see, we keep seeing over and over again. So he talks about believing that Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah. And, and he talks about if you love God, then you love Jesus. And if you love God, then you keep His commands. And if you keep His commands, then you love one another. And for John, all of that is just intertwined. It all goes together. You can't separate any of that. And so for those of you who have been here the last several weeks as we have been working through First John, you're kind of scratching your head saying, Rick, I have heard those things that you just said every Sunday I've come for the last few weeks. We first find them in the second chapter, then we find them in the third chapter, then we found them in the fourth chapter, and here they are again in the fifth chapter. He continues to repeat these themes, but when you get to verse 4, in our scripture this morning, he says something new. But whatever you do, don't discredit what he repeats just waiting for what he says that is new. Because what he repeats is so crucial to what he says that is new. So you ready? Here we go. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. Everyone, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And so you have all of this language that he has used throughout his book about if you've been born of God, then you know God. And if you know God, then you love one another and you keep his commands. So everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out His commands. Repeated themes again. In fact, this is love for God, to keep His commands. And His commands are not burdensome. Oh my goodness, I think we're stumbling upon something new. For everyone born of God over comes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And then in verse 6, he starts talking about Jesus in this reference to coming in the water and the blood. So just listen for a minute, okay? This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is His Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is truth. So what does He mean by this water and blood conversation that He engages in? We we have some some friends who have been staying with us this week. Um, They they stayed with us pretty much this, this week every year. Uh, their names are Jeffrey and Julie Johnson. He is the district superintendent in South Texas. And so he and I get to serve on the board of trustees together at Southern Nazarene University. And uh, so when they come into town, they, they come for meetings on Thursday and Friday. And then they stay over the weekend, Saturday and Sunday at, at our house and Monday. And eventually they leave. But, but they're with us right now. I have, I have said to them a couple of times, why don't you just get a hotel like everybody else? You know, I mean, why do you... But, but last Mother's Day, um, on this same weekend, they were with us, and, and things didn't go so well. Um, Jeffrey got sick, and so he kind of laid on our couch for a couple of days there. And on Sunday morning, I got up, and I got ready to go to church, and I said, Hey, I'll see you. And he said, Okay. But when it came time for second service, he came walking in, and I said, What, what are you doing here? And he said, I'm tired of laying in that house, and I think I'm feeling better, and I wanted to get out. And so he came, and... And after the service, 
then we have this dilemma. Now, now what do, do you feel like going to lunch? Because Annette has made reservations for Mother's Day lunch for all of us at 2 o'clock. And, and, and he says, no, I, I can't go to lunch and, because I really hope that we can do some things we plan to do this afternoon all together, but I can't do both. And so Julie said, well, I'll take him home. And I said, no, it's Mother's Day. Your daughter's here. My daughter's here. Make it a mother-daughter lunch. You guys go to lunch. I'll take him home. It's okay. I mean, do you, do you hear my heart? Do you see what a good guy? I mean, those are pure motives right there. And so, so we, we go. And on the way home, he says, as crazy as it sounds, I'm feeling a little better. I think I could eat a burger. And I said, well, where would you like to go, you know? And I, I can take you to get one. And so uh, Johnny's, okay, we'll go there. And we'll just go in and get a burger and take it home and eat it. And I said, hey, I don't like eating cold food. If we're going, we can be in and out of there in 15 minutes. Let's just, let's just go in there and eat. Can I get some unity of all the manhood in the room? Can we just get together for a minute here? You understand my heart, don't you? And so we're sitting in Johnny's, and I will admit to you that I had this thought at one point that this seems odd that Jeffrey and I would be at Johnny's on Mother's Day just eating lunch together. And all of a sudden, our phones start blowing up. We didn't realize our wives were going home first. Rick, where are you? Is Jeffrey okay? Is everything all right? Are you guys okay? And when I sent that text, we're at Johnny's eating a hamburger, I just didn't feel good in my spirit. And the text that I got back from Annette was, not cool, Rick. And the text that Jeffrey got back from Julie was, too sick to eat lunch with us on Mother's Day, but you can go with Rick to Johnny's. I don't remember a lot about the rest of the day, but I do remember, I do remember that there were a lot of people in my home, but there wasn't much talking going on. How do I tend to do that kind of stuff, you know? How do I tend to blow it from time to time? How do I tend just to mess things up over and over again? My, my daughter Morgan only lives seven minutes away and she's on campus at SNU, but, but she comes home a good bit and she came home this week to study for finals and brought lots of friends with her. And I was on the phone and I had her on speaker and I'm talking to some friends and I'm kind of loud maybe. And she comes over and says, Dad, could you be quiet? We're trying to study. And to which I responded, it may be a little quieter over at the university. I felt justified in my statement. I got up the next morning and just wanted to be with Jesus because some people at my house don't have good attitudes. But as I tried to focus on being with Jesus, it seemed to me that the only thing Jesus was interested in was me apologizing to Morgan. That's all Jesus wanted me to do. And so I sent her a text. She froze me out for a little while. She took about two hours to respond to say, you're forgiven. See, there's this ongoing stuff in my life that makes me wonder if I'm really an overcomer. And I have an enemy that's working against me on this deal. 
And you know what he tries to convince me? He tries to convince me that when I lose a skirmish or a fight, that I've lost the war. But that's not true. Just because I've lost a skirmish or a fight doesn't mean I have lost the war. Because when I look up the word overcomer in the dictionary, it talks about one who gets the better in a conflict or a struggle. It talks about one who prevails. It talks about one who overcomes, one who conquers, one who triumphs. And if we go back to the text that we have today and you look up the word overcomer in a, in a, in a lexicon, a Greek dictionary, and you look at the word nikao, it really talks about one who is victorious in battle. And the Word of God says that everyone who is born of God overcomes. And so you may walk in the room like me this morning, sometimes feeling like, Rick, I don't know that I'm overcomer. I lose a fight along the way. I've lost a skirmish or two. And the enemy wants to convince you, you are not an overcomer. But the Word of God this morning says something very different about you. And that you will win this war. And that you will be victorious in the end. So let's, let's go to that text and let's think a little while because he is very specific about what it is that we overcome. He says, everyone who is born of God overcomes the what? Well, that was weak. Everyone who is born of God overcomes the what? The world. That's right. So what does he mean by world? Has anybody noticed that over the last few days here in Oklahoma City, we have had an unusual amount of rainfall? My goodness. We're getting the whole year's record this week, I guess, you know. But but I think about... uh, we were out at the lake the other night, and the lake was really low. This was a, a week and a half ago or so. And uh, I've been thinking about how that, how that this, this rain is falling and the runoff is running into our, our natural streams, and, uh, and our natural streams flow into our natural rivers, and our natural rivers flow into our man-made lakes, right? And, uh, and our lakes are going to start filling up better. I think about how water comes down, but how water rises. This creation of God. I think about how... Everything grows and the sun comes and goes and the moon and the mountains and the water and the oceans and the tides come and go. All of this incredible order to creation that God has made. That is not what John is talking about when he says everyone born of God overcomes the world. That's not what he means when he uses the word cosmos, world. He's not talking about nature. He's not talking about creation. He's talking about that which is in opposition to God. Now... We've already identified that John is very repetitive in his themes, right? And so he continues to be repetitive in his themes, even in this language here. Because if you go back to chapter 2, verse 15, he talks about the world in these terms. Do not love the world. And once again, he is not talking about creation or nature. He is talking about that which is in opposition to God. Anyone who loves the world, the love of God is not in him, he says. This is chapter 2, verse 15. And then he defines what is of the world. And here's what he says. The lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh. The pride of life. We know that none of these things are of God. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. These are all things of the world. 
Rick, yes, can we get back to this overcoming stuff? Absolutely. The same guy who writes the first epistle of John writes the Gospel of John. We've already said that he's repetitive in his themes. And if you go back to the Gospel of John and you get to chapter 12, he talks about overcoming the world, but he talks about it in terms of a person overcoming the world. And he actually recites the actual words of Jesus when Jesus says that he overcomes the world. So in chapter 12, verse 31, Jesus says, now is time for judgment on this world. The prince of this world will be driven out. So Jesus is saying, I am going to overcome the world and the prince of this world is going to be driven out. Okay. When you get to chapter 14, Jesus says, the prince of this world has no hold over me, all right? So I want you to understand that I am overcoming the world and the prince of the world has no hold over me. When you get to chapter 16 of the Gospel of John, here's what he says. Be of good courage. I have overcome the world. So, how does Jesus overcome the world. This time in the Gospel of John, John does not quote Jesus. He testifies himself. He says, I testify. I saw this with my own eyes. I was there when it happened. The day that they crucified Jesus on the cross, I watched it take place. And when they came along after the crucifixion, I watched a soldier come up with a sword and he put it in the side of Jesus and water and blood flowed out. Do you remember verse 6 that I read you a minute ago? Just, just kind of stay with me. This is going to be really good. We're almost there. This is the one who came by water and blood. Jesus Christ. And you don't only have my testimony, but the Spirit testifies about this. Do you understand? That the crucifixion, which appears to be defeat, <laughs> they killed Him. John is trying to say to us in verse 6, this is actually Jesus overcoming the world. So you've got to wrap your mind around this. Other gods, they do what? They win victories by killing. Jesus wins victories by suffering. Other gods, they win victories by killing. Jesus wins by dying. And so here is the really good news. That after he died on the third day, he was raised to life, overpowering death and the grave. And John says, just like him, those of us who have been born of God, I got really good news for you. We share in his victory and we are overcomers as well. So the question I think always is, what do you do? All right, I'm going to walk out of these doors in a minute, Rick Harvey. What am I going to do with this? I think what John was doing was he was talking to people who were dealing with temptation. And if you look in the context, keep his commands because we are all overcomers. We can do this. We are empowered to keep his commands. And I think he was also dealing with people who were fighting persecution. Some were leaving the faith because of persecution, okay? So what about you? What do you need to overcome? Well, I mean, I want to follow God. I want to keep His commands. But 
I'm tempted, Rick. I mean, sometimes I'm, I'm tempted to sin, you know. Sometimes I want to blaze my own trail instead of going with God. I mean, I want to be an overcomer. I want to be, I want to be the victor. I want to win that battle. When I'm tempted, I want to, I want to be able to say, I won, you know. And I think if we talk about sin, then we have to talk about the effects of sin and the effects of fallenness. And so we must overcome things like grief and sickness and pain and fear and past hurts. I mean, those are all the effects of sin. So what do you do? I was, uh, I was at meetings, as I told you, this past week and a lady named Nita Copley stood up to give devotions one morning afternoon rather and Nita said here's my story basically she said I I was a young mom wife and Nita said I uh, I was married to a minister and before I knew it I found myself in the middle of a divorce Didn't dream that could be a possibility. But my husband was leaving me. She said in the midst of that, our three-year-old daughter had some serious physical issues. We were in and out of doctors, hospitals, trying to figure out what was going on with her. We couldn't, we couldn't figure out what it was. In the midst of all of that, going through the divorce, my daughter's illness... I was driving one day and I hit a little boy. It broke his arm. That was the extent of the damage, but it was very difficult to deal with that. And she said, after that, I lost my job. Went to church one Sunday, dealing with going through divorce, dealing with hitting this little boy, my daughter's illness, losing my job. I'm sitting in church on a Sunday morning. She said, my pastor, he was a good guy. She said, he loved us. We knew he did, but he could not preach. No amens over there now. You can just, if you're feeling tempted, just... She said he loved us, but... He couldn't preach. She said, but he talked about the Babylonian exile, the Hebrews in Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar. And you're going to bow to this idol that I've made of gold. But the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, O king, we know that our God is able to deliver us. But even if he does not deliver us from this fiery furnace that you want to throw us in, we will not bow down and worship. We will honor the one true God and serve Him only. And she said, I went to the altar that morning and I said, Lord, my life is in shambles. But if there is not another blessing that comes my way, (laughs) if there is not deliverance from any of this stuff, I am going to serve you and I am going to honor you And I'm going to live my life acknowledging that you are God. 
That's what John says you're supposed to do. Believe upon the name of Jesus Christ, His Son. (laughs) Put all of your trust and your faith in Jesus. Keep the commands. And love one another. Hold the course. When your world collapses, when things fall apart, when life is really hard, what do you do? You just hold the course. You trust in Jesus and you keep God's commands and you love one another. Don't you think it's interesting that when you're going through the tough stuff, you just trust Jesus and you just keep living for God and you just focus on somebody else? (laughs) That's what you do. You just hold the course. So what's that look like? What's it look like in life? I see Carla over here. Good morning, Carla. If you're closer, I'd just walk down and hug you. Carla's precious. In the last nine months, she's lost her husband, Dan, and her mother. And then this past week, her father. You know what Carla is? Carla is an overcomer. You know what Carla's doing? She's trusting in Jesus. (laughs) Amen, Carla. She is keeping the commands and she is loving the brothers and the sisters. Trying to leave uh, last Sunday and I saw a family come down and um, Mikkel was kneeling over here to pray with them and so I walked over Um, just to kind of join in the prayer. It was a young girl. Her name is Jessica Todd. And Jessica shared with us that she had been to her doctor that previous week and they had found a mass. They had found a mass. And they decided that they were going to do surgery on Thursday. So she was coming to the altar on Sunday. They're doing surgery on Thursday. They're going to remove this mass. Would Would you pray for me? Mikkel. Mikkel anointed her and prayed for her. And so, even standing, talking, after we prayed, I, I, was, I was a bit overwhelmed at, at her faith, at her spirit, at her attitude, at her trust, you know. She's a young mom with a six, six-year-old and a, and a one-year-old. And here she is just kind of radiating with this faith in God. And so on Monday... I'm at the office and I'm getting ready for a meeting and Mikkel was a part of that meeting, Pastor Mikkel and, and, and Chris and Kyle and others. And I just read this email that said, Jessica's doctor called, the lab reports came back bad. The cancellation of the surgery for Thursday has taken place. There will be no surgery. She is sending her directly to an oncologist. I didn't, see McK- I didn't see Jessica's face. You know whose face I saw? Her father is Steve Black. I saw Steve's face. I thought of him all week because she's very close to the age of my daughter, Brittany. And I just, this is a dad who loves his kids, you know. Man, I just felt this heaviness in me. I said, Mikkel, would you step out of the meeting and call Jessica? I think you should call. So Mikkel comes back in the meeting after calling her. I said, how's she doing? You know, Mikkel smiles and says, unbelievably well. (laughs) Her faith is very strong. 
She's extremely positive and trusting the Lord. I mean, it's, it's kind of overwhelming, Mikkel said. I talked to Jessica on the phone this week, and, and I just said, I, I want to talk about you tomorrow. Would you give me permission? Because I really want to just talk about your spirit and your faith and your trust through all of this. Now, let me, let me just celebrate with you for a minute, okay? She saw the oncologist this week, and the oncologist said, Jessica, what I'm seeing is a cyst, and we'll take it out Monday. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if that's the end of this. Isn't that great news? But you, you may say, and, and, and let's pray together that, that that is the end of this. Can we do that as a church? You may say, yeah, but... She's going to be okay. Of course she's... No. In the very darkest moment, that's who she was. Before she knew any of this, that's who she was. That's an overcomer. Yeah. That, that is someone who overcomes. And let me tell you about Jessica. The course was set before she got the interruption a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm going to keep God's commands. Right here in 1 John, it lays right out. I love the brothers and the sisters. I'm just going to stay the course. That's what we do. Amen? Amen. Everyone who has been born of God is an overcomer. And so the enemy is going to challenge you because you might lose a skirmish along the way and you might say something unkind to your daughter. You might lose a fight or two. And the enemy wants to convince you that you're losing the war. Not so, because the Word of God tells me something very different. The Word of God tells me everyone who believes that Jesus is the Son of God is an overcomer. You want to stand with me? Harlan, would you come? I think this morning it may be that as we sing, there might be some who just need to self-identify. This is who I am in Christ. The enemy has been telling me something different, and I have been believing him, Pastor Rick, and I am tired of believing the enemy, and I'm now going to believe what the Word of God says. I am an overcomer in Christ. This is who I am in Christ Jesus. True, I might lose a fight along the way. I might lose a skirmish, but I will not lose the war. I will not lose the battle. I will overcome in Christ. And so we're going to sing and celebrate this morning that in these songs. If you want to come and pray this morning, boy, the altar is a very friendly place. It's a great place to come. I, I, I hate not to say, too, that, that if you're saying, I want that life you're talking about, not a Christian. When you talk about being born of God, that's, that's not me. I want to be. Hey, listen, let me invite you this morning to come and meet a man who loves you like nobody else has ever loved you, who has the power to change your life, who can forgive you of your sins and give you a new heart. So for whatever reason you want to come, you might want to come as a family this morning. If you do, feel free. We have altars. It doesn't mean you're becoming a member of our church or anything like that. It just means we're going to go down. We're going to talk to God together. So feel free to come if you want to come and pray. Let's sing. We will overcome.
as you go from this place, let me, let me leave you with these words. Let them ring out in your hearts throughout this day. Everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Amen. God bless you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at BethanyNaz.org.